0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Space Chams podcast. We're here um, on our second ever video episode, uh, but the audio will also be available on Spotify if you don't want to look at my mediocre face. Um, But if you do want to check out this awesome logo, then you do want to watch this episode. I'm sitting here. I'm quite comfortable with my my creamy vanilla village candle going smelling of, of, of wonderful ice cream uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm really excited because today we're going to talk about we're going to go through a little abdominal happenings um, and we're going to talk a little bit about the space shuttle super good super fun stuff um, so you know I'm sorry first of all last week on my Star Trek rant Plus Space News, I called it Space News, and I want to I clear the air. Called it Space News because it was a couple of weeks of news. It wasn't just a single week, so it technically, I don't think, was a hebdominal happening in our local heliosphere. It was a multi-hebdominal happening in the local heliosphere, so I, I just didn't feel comfortable calling it a hebdominal happening. Um, we are, of course, in my spectacular studio Uh, which is just my terrible room at college, uh, which is essentially a closet where I have put various amounts of clothing on the wall as um, different types of decorations. I got my Lord of the Rings poster, my uh, Ford GT, my Marvel poster, my Star Wars poster, all things that make me happy inside. I actually watched The Fellowship of the Ring a couple days ago and bawled my eyes out. It's a fantastic film. A fantastic story. But let's get into some space stuff. Yeah. Looking at you. So, back on January 20th, taking it all the way back, um, there, was a, there was a milestone. SpaceX has surpassed a thousand satellites with their latest Starlink launch. Very cool. Um, and actually, a couple of days ago, They added to that um, with a rideshare launch where their first ever rideshare launch where they launched 143 satellites into space at one time. So that's another record. So they've broken two records in a week when it comes to satellites. Pretty cool. SpaceX knows what they're doing. I'm all here for it. That's cool. Another launch news, um, Rocket Lab, launched there. another one leaves the crust rocket which was carrying um which was also carrying a satellite love the name another one leaves the crust hilarious uh rocket lab is a small private company um and they do they do like it seems like they do like two launches a week but i do like rocket lab a lot and they just came out with their new electron rocket and that's pretty sweet uh, and so those, uh, they, they launched primarily out of New Zealand, I think, but that's, they got some pretty cool stuff going on as well. Also on that day, um, NASA Administrator Jim Bridenstine had his last day in that position. And uh, Biden has appointed Steve Jurizic, I think is his name, as Acting Administrator, uh, which I, you know, moving the chains, new president, new policy. Um, Jim Bridenstine was really into and focused on the Artemis program, especially the SLS rocket. Uh, the, that had a, a green fire last week, which ended shortly uh, after launch uh, and shorter than expected. But um, so he hopes they continue with the Artemis program and we get back to the moon, uh, maybe get this gateway thing on going. Um, so that's pretty sweet. Uh, I thought Jim bridenstine did a good job uh but the nasa administrator usually changes with different um, presidents kind of interesting to see how presidents can affect space as we all as we've talked about before later in the week um so we talked about spacex's record setting uh launch um but also there was a uh i i I saw some um it was i I don't know what i call it It is a law one small step to protect human heritage in space act became law on December 31st. So this protects artifacts from on NASA, like by the United States on the moon. So like Neil Armstrong's like boot print or the lunar rover or other things we left on the moon are now kind of like historical, historical locations, which I think is pretty sweet. We have historical locations on the moon. It's a lot better than Gettysburg if you ask me um but so I think that's kind of funny but it's also pretty cool so we're starting to like protect stuff on the moon knowing that we're going back and others are going back too so I think it's pretty sweet so that's mostly what we got going on uh, very exciting news actually in Axiom Space They named their first private crew to launch to the space station on board a SpaceX Crew Dragon vehicle. So the reason this is exciting is four private citizens are going to be launching into space on a SpaceX rocket to the International Space Station. That is sweet. If you don't know why that's sweet, you must understand that you could be next. You could not not likely that it's you or me but you could be next but i think that's really cool and so this is also with their program that um tom cruise is thing is you is going to be using with elon musk's spacex to have his movie filmed in space which i'm kind of all for and kind of makes me want to want to be tom cruise even though he's kind of crazy um but yeah So I'm all for that. Uh, Looking forward to a real movie in space. That'd be crazy. Talk about real movies in space. Today, Victor Glover and Michael Hopkins completed their spacewalk on the ISS. It was actually Victor Glover's first ever spacewalk outside of the ISS, which I think is super cool. Um, I watched a little bit of it this morning. It's cool to watch them moving around. I got some cool screenshots of them. Uh gosh, it's like awesome to watch them move around in space because well in certain angles you can see the earth and you can see like clouds moving under them and you can see the the edge of the earth sometimes. And then every like 45 minutes it gets it gets black and you're like, why is it getting dark? And it's because they're moving around the earth every every 90 minutes they orbit the earth. And so every 45 minutes it goes black and then it comes back to being light. It's awesome. Very cool. I believe this week Victor Glover also surpassed the previous owner of this title, but he is the he is now the he's the astronaut, the the African-American astronaut with the most hours in space, most time in space, which is pretty cool. It also in history on January 27th is kind of a grim day. um, the Apollo 1 crew or the 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 crew of the Apollo 1 were testing in the module on this day in 1963 and they were killed by a flash fire and those astronauts that were killed were Gus Grissom, Ed White and Roger Chafee. I don't know if I got that last one right, I'm never sure. But so it's kind of sad. Um but you know there's no there's no gain without sacrifice and they gave the ultimate sacrifice um for exploration in space. And so we remember them fondly. I'm a huge fan of Ed White and Gus Grissom. I thought they were really cool. I don't know a lot about Roger Shavey, but Ed White seemed awesome from what I've read about him. And Gus Grissom seemed like a really down to earth guy. (laughs) No pun intended. Anyway, that's what we got today for the space news. But I'm also going to take a couple of minutes to talk about how I finished foundation, Isaac Asimov's foundation. And so I'll be honest, I liked it in the end, but up till about 75% in the book, I had no idea what was going on. And then, even then, I was like, I kind of get it, but what, what? What? what's the point? And so now I think I finally put it together. So I'm going to give it to you just so I can talk to myself out loud. Now no, I will to do this, I'm going to take a drink first. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So the thing I thought about was essentially this book about this guy, um, Harry Selvin, who's like a psychologist. And he's like a, he's like a, a mass psychologist to me, it seems like, um, where he can see the future uh, pr- based on the, what the mass of society will be doing. Like what a civilization will do. He can like predict the future. And so he predicts that this empire is going to end. And so he asks them to let him send a group of people to a planet where they can collect knowledge and the culture and technology and the heritage of this empire and like help it grow. Book immediately skips like 50 pages. And now the people have done this. They've collected the knowledge, the technology, the culture, the heritage and everything. And they are living on this planet And they, and now Harry Seldon comes back in a hologram. He's like, okay, so let me, I lied to you. This is not just about collecting this. We're starting our new empire. Like this is the beginnings of a new empire. And at this point they have like this religious hold where, you know, they are in charge of nucleics and they have like nuclear power and things. And like the other planets around them in the periphery believe that, you know, they have like this religious, they have like this religious power. And so the whole book, it wasn't obvious to me until like halfway through, but the whole book is about how like a civilization evolves. And so first, you know, it was like knowledge and they're finding things out and they're collecting things and then religion comes into play. And then towards the end, so there's a guy named, oh man, Harbor Mallow, I believe is his name in the book, but he is a traitor. And, you know, as time goes on, there's um, Selden crises, and these are like times when change is going to happen within a civilization. So he decide he understands that the civilization can no longer hold their power just through religious means, just through a religious power. They need to use like the trade and the technology they have to give to these other civilizations. So these other civilizations don't have the same technology they have done own the nucleics, but they're more powerful than they are in a way. But they wouldn't dare attack them because they hold all the trade routes. And so that was kind of like the end of the book for the first one. But I thought it was really interesting how he interpreted the rise or the fall and the rise and the progression of a civilization. And it, it kind of it made sense and it was it was pretty sweet. But apparently, you know, there's like seven of these foundation books and they go over like the whole civilization all over time. But that's all the time I'll give to foundation. But I thought it was a good book. I'll probably continue reading the foundation books, but I recommend you would too. That's my latest science fiction book referral. All right, all right, let's get into the shuttle. Now, mind you, not an expert on the shuttle, a fan, I think. I was interested in the shuttle, I wasn't sure, because there's, there's after talking to John Logson, who, where I get most of my information about the shuttle from, it seemed like the shuttle could have been a policy failure by the United States and NASA. And I was wondering why, because you know, my love space kind of stems from me seeing the shuttle launch um, like 10 years ago when I was down in Cape Canaveral as a young, a young boy. And uh, you know, so I've, I've always been interested about the shuttles and in their history. And so I wanted to find out more. So here's what I found out, that's what you're gonna get. You not. Gonna, I'm not sure if it's, you know, the whole truth But it is the history of it, and we're going to give it to you. We'll start out with some basics before we get into some history. So there were six shuttles. Five of them flew. The one that did not fly was the Enterprise. And so it didn't fly. It didn't have a heat shield, and it didn't have an engine, but it did, like, glide. It practiced gliding and what it would do inside the planet's atmosphere. And that was built in, I want to say, finished built in 1977. That's what I want to say, but I could be wrong. But I wonder. I also wonder if the Enterprise was named the Enterprise because of Star Trek. I doubt that's the case, but I do want to figure that out now. I'll, I'll look that up later on and figure that out, but I thought of that um, right before I did this. So anyway, the others were the Columbia, the Challenger, the Endeavor, the Atlantis, and the Discovery. Love the names. Big fan of the Atlantis. Um, so those are the six shuttles Right off the bat, we got problems. Okay, because so the shuttles themselves were meant to be reusable, cost efficient, and easy access to space. And they thought they were gonna be doing like a launch a week or something like that with these shuttles over the time. Now now that his numbers gradually dropped over the over the time that they were being used and before that. And the price for these launches got higher. So what they set out to do and what they actually were able to do were below their expectations, which is unfortunate. But we should start at the beginning. So on January 2nd, 1972, the shuttle program was approved by Nixon. And what we learned about Nixon, I think, from John M. Logsdon, is that Nixon wasn't really for he was for space but he didn't really understand the point of going back to the moon after we had beaten the Soviet Union in the space race and so this it's kind of seemed like the space shuttle was just a like uh it was like a consolation prize and I he was like yeah let's just do that that's kind of what it seemed like to well it seemed like to me but he approved there to be 5 shuttles And then Carter dropped that down to four, but then eventually got back to five. And then, of course, the sixth was for, you know, study and different types of things. But the point of the shuttle, basically, as we've said before, was to be cost efficient, and it was to have easy access to space. So we can no longer go past low Earth orbit, which I think is another one of the big problems about the space shuttle. Like exploration, human exploration past our... Orbit is big to me, and I think to scientific exploration in general. But what the shuttle was kind of being used as was, it was kind of a marketing tool to the rest of the world. It was kind of like a business proposition to the rest of the world, that we can take things to space for you. And so I'm not, kind of, I'm not really against that. That's kind of what private companies are doing right now. Except this is NASA. NASA. And I want NASA to be about scientific exploration. Let Elon Musk create the shuttles. Let him make the buses. Uh, and that—that's an important job. We need something that can land and take off and land again. Well, I guess you land the, you don't need to land the first time. But you know, we need reusable rockets, and we got those now. And this is a while ago, so I'm not gonna—you know—I guess I can't be mad at him. And you know, I—I I can't build a rocket, so you know, f me, forget that. But anyway, I I, I digress, I digress. So what we got is the first shuttle mission in 1982, that crew deployed two satellites um, using the Columbia. And the Columbia was used from 1982 to 1983. And then after that, it was kind of, it wasn't decommissioned, but it was taken taken off duty for a while for extensive repair or something like that. So that's interesting. But the 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 astronauts, the crew for this mission, hell had a sign, and their like logo was "We Deliver," and their sign that they took inside the shuttle was "Ace Moving Company," and they did this because they were delivering satellites for this company, and they thought of themselves as a delivery company, and a space. They had like a space truck. That's what the shuttle was. It was like a space truck delivery you know company now. And so I think what people were a little upset about was this idea that the shuttle was now just like a delivery system. That's what NASA was now. It was just a delivery system for the rest of the world to make money was it was kind of a it was kind of a stretch from the pure exploration of the Apollo programs. Now, when I say pure exploration, uh, as we've talked about before, JFK he was wary about going to the moon. He went to the moon because he knew that we had to beat the Soviet Union. He didn't, I don't think he really loved space, he just knew we had to beat the Soviet Union. And kind of in contrast to that, Reagan, he was a big proponent of space from the get-go, um, but where you could say one of his flaws was is he believed that the, you know, the shuttle was a sign of American exceptionalism, which it may have been uh, in space, um, but it was also the sole access to space for the United States, which was a problem, but we 'll we'll get there we 'll get there anyway, on this first mission, the satellites that, the, that the, the first mission sent up, the rockets failed to fire when they were in space, and so they couldn 't move them to the place they were supposed to be in orbit. Problem, problem. So they were insured. And the company that insured them were now owned them, and they were looking for someone to buy them. But what they first had to do was bring them back to Earth. And so who are you going to get to bring your satellite back down to Earth? Well, the shuttle. The shuttle was the only one that could do that. So it comes back down, and the, the crew for the mission that brought it back down held up a sign that said, for sale. And so this like continued the idea that the shuttle was like a moving truck and it brought the satellites back down and they were put back out for sale, these satellites to other people for use. Kind of interesting. And so NASA was really marketing the shuttle as like a business opportunity and for companies and other people who wanted to use it, which I think is kind of interesting, but I guess it's not what everybody wanted and I can also understand that. So in 1983, let's get into some of the good stuff that I think the shuttle did. Some of the stuff I think the shuttle did well. And I think others agree with me. And and by the way, I'm not an expert. Just saying that again. But I do do my research. And I think that in 1983, taking up Sally Ride was big. So the first American woman to go to space. And also taking up Guy um, Bluford, was big, who was the first African American man to go to space. And then I'm not sure the year, but also um, Mae Jameson was taken to space by the shuttle, and she was the first African American woman to go to space. So I think one of the best things about the shuttle was that it was inclusive toward different types of ideas and you know people, which I think was good. At this point, you know, the Apollo missions could take up three people you know, three people is, that's good, it was good then, but it's not good now, and the shuttle could take up seven. And so at this point, not everyone had to be a fighter pilot. So you could have, you know, botanists, you could have more geologists, you could have a doctor, a, you know, different types of people going up into sp- in space with different types of perspectives, which I think is very cool. So that's all good. Now what better, which didn't happen, which would have been awesome is there was a there was consideration for a lottery for all citizens to participate in to get to go on the shuttle, so they were like giving out a seat. How sweet would that have been? You could just buy a lottery ticket for I don't know how much money it would have been, but and you could have had a chance to go on the space shuttle. Awesome. They mixed that, but they did have a program, um, and they were thinking about it. It could take more astronauts because the shell could take more astronauts they would have a they would have a type of space tourism Sound familiar going on today the idea has been around for a while they didn't think they were going to make enough profit but they did have a payload specialist policy and so essentially what this policy was is that companies could pay to put someone in space um like of their choosing but unfortunately um I'm not sure how many people actually use this, um, of course. Yeah, I'm not sure how many people actually got to use this. I believe seven private citizens have been to space but not necessarily on the shuttle since 1980. I, I believe that is the case, but anyway, so there's they're, they're, they're the makings of a commercial kind of private access space ideologies going on, which I think is interesting. And the shuttle made that happen. Another thing the shuttle did, unfortunately, was it didn't live up to the economic expectations that they wanted to. So Reagan kind of gave most of his policy attention to the shuttle than any other element of space activities. And like we've already said, he did this because he believed the shuttle was a, it was the kind of Expect it, it was it showed our exceptionalism in space as Americans. Problem with this was the shuttle was our only access to space, so a lot of people wanted to have um, ELVs, which are expendable launch vehicles, so that we could send up things to space when we needed them and not have to rely on the shuttles, which had been risky. And so the ELVs were to be used for missions not requiring human presence. So I think that's, that's kind of a good thing since the shuttles needed maintenance and a lot of things to not send them up every time if you didn't need humans was probably a good idea. I like that, I like that. And so they had to amend the 1958 Space Act to seek and encourage the maximum extent possible, the fullest of commercial space. So that's very broad, obviously. That means basically they can do whatever they want, how they want, as long as it works. And so, unfortunately, these small breakthroughs in, pri- in the private sector were hindered by the Challenger explosion in 1986. And so, from then on, the space shuttle was—you know—I believe it still did a good job of getting people to space. It got it got about 355 people to space, which is huge, out of like 550. So it got most of the people that have been to space into space, which is cool. I think it's also like a it's, a, it's an orbiting laboratory, which is also great. So let's, let, let's do a little recap. That, that's kind of the history up to, you know, the Columbia 2003 explosion of the shuttle and why people are eh and would like and dislike the shuttle. But some of the, so so we'll go over some of the problems. So, launch delays, frequent refurbishments, um, lack of spare parts, problem with thermal protection. Uh, These were all problems of the shuttle. And then, individually, the Columbia and the Challenger were too heavy to carry the heaviest payloads that they needed them to carry. So, that's interesting as well. And of course, the Challenger and the Columbia both um, blew up resulting in the deaths of seven or 14 combined deaths of astronauts. So that, those are kind of some of the problems with the shuttle. It, it did not live up to the economic um, hopes of NASA and the president. And it, I guess the best way to explain this is in 1977, the price for commercial and foreign users was $22.6 million by 1975 dollars. So that's kind of how they gauged it. So in 1982, that was 73% over the cost at 60 million dollars. So it had gone from 22.6 million dollars to fund your, your space mission to 60 million dollars. And so if you take that 60 million dollars and do it by today's standard, that'd be 100 million dollars. To send a payload into orbit. Now the, the SpaceX launch, uh, the SpaceX Falcon 9 can launch a payload into space, maybe not quite as big, but it can do it for 57 million dollars. That's huge. And so they're kind of doing it better and they're doing it cheaper. So I mean, and, and it's much later, and we're advancing, and those things are also reusable. So it just shows you how great I think the Falcon 9 was. But I think the the shuttles did a lot to encourage imagination when it came to these types of things. So we'll go, we'll end it with some of the, the good stuff I think about the shuttle. It flew 135 flights since 1981 and that comes out to be about 4.5 flights a year. The Discovery put up the Hubble in 1990 and then when they figured out the Hubble wasn't working too well and they had a blurry, blurry Picture they fixed it with another shuttle launch, so they went up there and fixed the Hubble. Amazing, Hubble's been huge. It essentially built the International Space Station by sending up different types of modules and things like that. It's the first reusable spacecraft ever, and it put 355 people into space. I think those kind of numbers speak for itself, for itself, for itself. But that's why I so. Was it maybe a failure? Did it not live up to expectations? Yes. But was the shuttle also great at getting people into space and getting a different group of people in space with different backgrounds and different, you know, professions and things like that? Yes, I think so. And I think that was what I take away from the shuttle. I think it was important for that reason. But what do you think about the shuttle? Let me know on our next post on Instagram. But please, please, um, be kind, because I don't do this at all that much with the screen. If you're listening, then this is just doesn't apply to you. But if you're watching, please be kind. Anyway, you can follow us at at SpaceChans on Instagram. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Talking a little about the shuttle. Um, you know, my research comes from NASA. It comes from different historians. I read about. I. You know, if you want to learn more and figure out some stuff, I'd be happy to help you out find some things. If you want to help me learn some stuff, send me some stuff. And um, that's what we got for you today. Always remember to uh, keep looking up. <laughs>